welcome to day two of PAX Unplugged. I'm sitting here with Elise, the creator of the Session Zero system. And we are just wanting to get a little bit more information on what's going on. So Elise. Yeah, thanks for having me on. So I'm one of the two designers of the game. My business partner, Gabe Hicks, is the other designer and writer. We are currently in fulfillment. This was a Kickstarter that we had live last year at PAX Unplugged. And we are here now with a thousand early pre-release copies. Our Kickstarter backers are going to be getting the game before Christmas. And it is the Session Zero system. This is a multi-tool, a playable compendium of rules and guides and information for how to run a Session Zero at your table. It is system agnostic. It works with any TTRPG system. And it has a lot of things like setting expectations and fostering kind communication at your table, adding house rules, setting tone and mood in game. Uh, we've got an entire chapter and a part in the book about TTRPG safety tools, how to keep people having fun and staying safe. Uh, and then the main thing, the main meal of the game is the collaborative backstory creation game and story path. We've got a lot of archetypal fragment prompts that ask questions that help you build out places NPCs and events that happen in the game so that your character's backstory can be as fully realized as possible and give you motivation to make decisions throughout the rest of your TTRPG system game. Very cool. So you hit on some things that are like super important to me. I know that most people, most of the listeners, if they've heard episodes, they know that I'm a therapist that uses games in the therapy practice, but that's also something that like we're really big on is making sure that player safety happens. So what did you design your own safety tool or are you guys recommending safety tools? We've done a little bit of all of it. So uh, safety tools are in part two of the book. Uh, the one thing that we wanted to make sure we did first and foremost is shout out some of the incredible makers that have made safety tools that are like standards in the community. So uh, we've got folks like Kiana Shaw and Lauren Bryant Monk who made the TTRPG safety toolkit. And there's an information on how to access that, which is just free safety tools in a Dropbox folder. It's been around for forever. They're two incredible people that have been doing incredible work to keep players having safe fun in games for a very long time. Uh, and then we also have the creator of the X card. We've got some information about that. Um, and then we've included sections like here are safety tools for player well-being. Here are safety tools for when you're going to be working with character tone and player tone. Uh, what is a loaded question? Like we want to help people foster communication that is both effective but also kind and generous so that you're making sure even if your character is feeling certain emotions above board players can have that safety and that that bumper lane of we don't want to careen this into hurting actual player feelings so there's a lot of information there in that awesome. chapter about that yeah, kind of mitigating that bleed out to and character bleed so hard. It's so hard because the thing that we love about tabletop games is that we get to live these other lives. But that line can, if you're not used to it, or if you're a new player, or if you're in a scene that's really intense, it's really hard to keep that buffer. Uh, so we want to have a lot of tools that people can rely on or systems at the table that are already pre-decided on that you know you can pull that ripcord if you need and keep people having safe fun which is great absolutely how do you view like safety tools in session zero as like bringing new players in or building um building 
into the gaming community. It's so important. I, I think one of the things, and this is you know, one way to do a session zero, and also like a multi-tool, you're not using every tool at the same time. This is very much salt to taste, add what you like. Every game isn't gonna need every safety tool. You like, you'd put too many bumper lanes in the way, you'd never be able to bowl, right? There'd be no way to get to the end of the story. So there's a lot in here, depending on what you need, the session zero is a perfect time to talk about those things beforehand, especially if it's like there's a whole section on why are we adding safety tools? Is it because we're a new group of players that we've never played together? We don't know necessarily where each other's lines and veils are going to be. Do we want to set up something as a precautionary measure or are we dealing with really intense material? Is this a horror game? Are we playing something like uh, Candela Obscura and we're going to be getting into really weird, really fucky stuff that is just like, gonna push us to the edge either emotionally or psychologically with gore do we want to make sure that if we need we've got something preset to like pull away from and end a scene and keep people safe at the table or is it just because these are good practices to have this is the kind of this is the kind of thing we want to have I'm not planning on crashing the car but I put my seatbelt on every time I get in just in case right so there's a lot of information about that and I think the session zero is the perfect time to start having that conversation because Prevention is always the best medicine, especially when you're dealing with emotions and heightened scenes and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm kind of the of the opinion that like if you're just now learning about session zero or you're just now learning about safety tools in general, there's no wrong time to kind of Never. throw that in Absolutely. to the mix. Yeah, so. well, and it could be like, you know, oh, we're going into this spookier spot. I didn't think that I was going to have to need any safety tools but like I have a problem with little bugs like I'd actually like to put that on the table now as let's talk about lines and veils and what we want to like let's talk about the x card because we're dealing with new material that is actually a problem for me or could be an issue for me it's it the story and the content should evolve because that you're playing a game of evolution in a character's life so being able to add in safety tools halfway into a game is totally valid and great especially if the story is growing and changing with your characters. Right. And I think that that's like a wonderful piece, right? Is that like you're getting so involved in this, this storyline and so wrapped up in this story and character that like the bleed is almost like that empathetic response, right? You're having Always. empathy for your, your character and then you just don't realize that, oh, we went, the story went in a direction that like I'm actually realizing a new trigger that I had. Yeah. <laughs> Please help. Please help. Help me. And that's what that's supposed to be there for so that you can lean on it in the event that something catches you off guard. Which yeah, is great. absolutely. Um, so you touched on it a little bit, but how do you approach inclusivity and diversity in your game design? Yeah, so uh, one of my, uh, both uh, my business partner, Gabe Hicks and I are both queer to TRPG content creators. Um, Gabe is a very lovely uh, POC creator in this space. And so we have a lot of conversations about the kinds of things that we want to foster at the table uh, one of the things that's very important for me as a queer woman is making sure that everybody in the art felt represented. I was the art director for this project. I worked with our artist, Dakota Curry, who was an incredible illustrator. And we wanted to make sure that we were telling all sorts of different kinds of stories visually, let alone with the tools that we were including at the table. Um, that was a really big piece for me, it was very important that people felt like everybody could see themselves in their cards. Um, so there was a lot of work that we did, even from the very onset of art that just was inclusive at the table. 
Yeah, because I know that we're like we've had problems in the past as RPG community. We had with... one yesterday. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Another all white. Like these are the emerging gamers. And you're like, mm, there are women, there are POCs, there are LGBTQ members. It's, it's just. I think, especially for the kind of person who's going to be doing something like a session zero or including safety tools, the Venn diagram of the people who are diverse and the people who use those things is more than likely not a circle. Um, <laughs> so I, I would be very, I'd be very shocked to see anybody that hadn't heard of one and was not thinking about the other. Yeah, it's important. It's important that every kind of story feels welcome. Everybody is heroic. I strongly agree. Yeah. I think that it's hugely important to be able to feel like you can be represented in the game space and be safe in that representation. Yeah. And TTRPG safety tools are also there for things like, um, we had a game that was playing a friend of mine, you know, someone made a joke about like, oh, you know, cause women can't in this mid-century game, women can't go to college. And someone said X card, that's not true. Not in this world. That is not the case. We're not bringing that into the world, right? And that's the kind of thing that you can do with in a, especially if you've agreed on what this is doing, mm -hmm. what this safety tool is doing is removing content from the game that people do not want to engage with. Uh, that can be the other arm of protecting things like diversity and inclusion. Because someone can say that kind of language, that kind of environment, that kind of response does not have a place at this table. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think that that's a super important tool. Now, for session zero, because Session Zero hasn't historically been a, a part of no. the mainstream games, right? Um, I know that they've come out, like certain games have been really great about like, hey, you should incorporate a Session Zero and this is how that might look. For people that are just hearing about Session Zero or maybe don't understand what Session Zero is, can you give us like a rundown? Absolutely. So there's a lot of role-playing books will say something like, okay, you've built your character now, come up with their backstory, find out how everybody met and where you start your adventure. That's a lot of world building. That's a lot of character building. There's no, there are no rules for that in a lot of systems. And so what the session zero system does is help people build their session zero. A session zero is the game before the game. It's when you meet to talk about, okay, what system are we playing? What are the rules? Do we want to add any house rules? Do we need to add any safety tools? Who are our characters? Have we met before? What's the world? What's the lore? What do I need to know about the game to be able to step into it as a fully realized character? And that is something that the TTRPG community made in just terms of like, I'm gonna fill in the blanks. It's reading the script if you're a performer and going like, well, what's my motivation, right? Like, what am I gonna bring into the scene? So it's the work that happens before you get to sit at the table because these people don't exist. And you gotta, you have to build in that context for the world to feel real. And so the Session Zero system itself just has collected a lot of the best practices that Gabe Hicks and I have been doing as two GMs who've been playing for years and years and years. And we want to put that in a collection so that people can use it to build out their own, to bring everybody together, to foster those kinds and generous conversations at the table Salt to taste, take what they like, leave what they don't. There's a lot in there for a lot of people, not everybody's gonna use everything. But we wanted to do the best we could to build out what it's like to play at one of our tables and give those things to anybody who's looking for something like this. Yeah, and I think that I really struggled when I got into role-playing on, um, 
on that like idea of, well, you meet at a bar. And I'm like, well, why the hell am I going to go die with this person? Right. <laughs> what do I care? Right. Or as a GM, I'm a, I'm a homebrew uh, GM and have been a storyteller for a really long time. And I would world build and I cared about the world, but my players didn't. Like they didn't know about the world. Right. So especially in the story path and the fragment section in the book, which is part three, you've got three main archetypal prompt questions that fill out your legacy is where you come from. Your bond is someone that's had an impact in your character's life. And the catalyst is the event that made you an adventurer. You answer prompting questions. You look at the gorgeous art that Dakota Curry did. And as a GM, I now have however many players at the table. I've got four places that exist in my world now that they care about, that they that's tied into their backstory. I've got four NPCs that if I pull on their heartstrings, my players are going to jump. They're going to go. They're going to rush in to save these people. I've got four events that have happened that as the fallout around the rest of the world reacts to what's happened, like I can move and change and shake the events and see where the players fall and all of that as the fallout happens. So there's just so much it's a it's building blocks for the way in which I really love to GM and the way in which Gabe really loves to tell stories and giving the gift of tying it in to the other people that are playing with me at the table. So we're all collaboratively world building together. Um, how do like, it sounds like it does a really good job of encouraging the players to like kind of take ownership or Always. have that, that like buy-in yeah. of what their world looks like. Um, how did you guys get to that? The very earliest version of this, I played, I think about, I think about maybe five years ago, maybe four at this point. Uh, I was playing a game with some new players, some intermediate players and one advanced player. And we did the classic, oh, new players love combat, right? It's the easiest in. And then, oh, well, the shopping episodes are pretty fun. Maybe it's going to be about the stuff we have. We're going to like invest in our equipment and then it was role playing let's role play and it was that evolution of falling in love with how ttrpgs can be played over time and we got to this moment where my ranger was like i want a multi-class but i don't know like i might want to be a rogue maybe i'm a paladin because i'm like dealing with these bigger forces than me like maybe i have a patron but i don't know and i said well let's role play it and so I built two locations, two NPCs, and two events. And I said, here are, here are the things that are on offer to you. You've got one person who's a knight in this paladin order that you're gonna be joining. And the other one is like an urchin kid. And we played through the first scene. And he was like, yeah, okay. And then I, we got to the little thiefling and he said, hey, your world's broken. It's shiny and new up there, but down in the gutters with us, like." Here are the people that you're disenfranchising. Here's what your order is leaving behind. This city doesn't work for everybody. Let me show you what it looks like in the real world. Let me show you the real cost of what that beautiful shining beacon up on your fancy halls. Like, take a look at the rest of the world around you. There are a lot of people who are hurting and we're trying to fix it from the inside. And my player was like, I'd die for this kid. I, 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 this, this, this character wasn't in my life 30 minutes ago and now I'm, I'm a thief. I'm joining the guild today, right? Like I'm, I want to help people and this is how I help. Yeah. And that was the earliest iteration of the legacy, the bond and the catalyst. Those, those places, those people, that moment, that event 
that helped my player make a decision in real time with role play. And we wanted to be able to bring something like that to the before game of the session zero, but also in intermittently if you're gonna be making decisions. These are these are prompting questions you can answer at any time to help you make a decision. So that's kind of where it started. And and at the same time Gabe was building a similar version of this that had a lot more to do with like the collecting of safety tools and all of that. And it just it blended together perfectly. I love it when the plan yeah, comes I, together. I love it when the plan comes together. <laughs> it's like we planned it the whole time. So yeah. Um, it sounds like that does a beautiful job of like giving characters depth. And I know Always. that like I've I've been at tables where that's just like a big struggle of yeah. trying to get a character that actually is more nuanced than just like I am I'm a I'm a rogue and both my parents are dead. <laughs> yeah. Or I'm a barbarian with no family ties Correct. and I smash things, yeah. right? Like Correct. fight or go boom. Yeah. I don't know. Um so that like and I got the opportunity yesterday to kind of test out the system, which was incredible. Fun. Um the one thing that I'm wondering if you can kind of help explain a little bit is like how does the system help to tie the characters together more? Like, yeah, so it develops backstory really good um, to help us see like how can how can we use this tool to like really join those backstories? Yeah. So them? the full rundown of part three and the story path system is that you each draw fragments from the or you choose fragments from each of the paths: the the legacy, the bond, and the catalyst. You answer those prompting questions, and then we have something that we built called the amalgam phase. Cause you're right, like having those things exist independently with your players is all fine and well and good, but they're like serendipity, kismet exists in the world, happy accidents, right? You always know someone who's cousins from your hometown, right? Or you, like the guy that you know that you work with is like, well, yeah, that's my, I, I know that guy, he's my cousin. Yeah. So we built something called the amalgam phase where you take one element of your card or your fragment and you tie it in some small way or large way to another fragment at the table. So if I've drawn, and I'll pull one because we're in our lovely little demo space right here. If I've drawn the transcend card, my hometown was the site of a massive extraplanar event at some point in history, and it's still affecting the region today. Uh, I've just drawn the diviner card from Bond. So if you have some sort of an oracle in your life, in the amalgam phase, I could offer, hey, what if somehow these two things are connected? Can your oracle, your diviner, be prophesizing another event in my region? Like, can they see something and I've heard about it? And now I'm like on the warpath to try to like save my, like we can't survive another cataclysm like this. Uh, and maybe your oracle is for telling a lot of things, but when you and I meet as characters, you mention something and I go, no, 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 wait, that's, I, I'm from there. What are you talking about? And then all of a sudden, as a DM, I can build a quest into that if that's something that the R2 characters are really excited about. Or that could be just like a threat looming in the background to help shape and arc the story. Um, so being able to have that amalgam phase to tie in different elements that make the world feel like it lives and breathes with itself is great. And all of these things are archetypal enough that if you're a home brewer or if you're playing with an existing system in an existing uh, module, you can help shape the events, the NPCs in the bonds, the places to match different places that exist in the pre-written lore in the game that you're playing already. So anecdotally, what do you think 
like having those ties to each other, having those ties to the world does to your storytelling? It makes the story matter. It's all well and good if I say that we're going to be playing on the on the bitter coast, right? But if I know that that's where shards of the broken moon fell and destroyed my grandparents' hometown when they were still young, and those pieces of rock still jut out of the ocean, and there's magic like leaking into the water, poisoning the area, right? There's, there's something that's wrong. I've got to go save my town. I've been trying for three generations to do that. That's the transcend part. That's the event that happened, right? Like all of a sudden it means something. It has weight when somebody says that place, there's a, there's a beat in my heart that's tied to that. So we put a little bit of that empathy, that care, that motivation, and we ground it somewhere in the world for characters and storytellers, GMs, to be able to pull on those threads and make people make choices about what's going on about it. Yeah, which is great. That's awesome. I love the descriptions that you've had for this. I think that's really cool. I can't wait to like deep dive deep into it. Um, I have my copy already, so I'm looking forward to like going home and reading through it. I'm so happy we were able to give you one, and thanks for coming over. I really appreciate it. This is been three years uh, of a journey for Gabe and I, and we're so very proud to have it out in the world. Now that the game's here, now our work begins. We want to be seeing it in people's hands. We want people to be telling us about the characters that they're building, and just so excited that it's out in the world. On that note, can I ask you a couple of like personal gaming yes. questions? So first, uh, what brought you to gaming? I started playing... Cool. There is a cafe in Astoria, Queens called Astoria Beer and Cheese, and they had game nights on Thursdays. And one of the first TTRPGs that I played was Under Hollow Hill by the Bakers. I love the fey world. I love the lore of all of that. And we, I just fell in love with storytelling at a table, and it was fantastic. I've always been a bit of a storyteller. I come from a theater and a film and television background. And then this was the way of like, ah, yes, my hobby, my perfect hobby. Thank you very much. Um, so that's where I got my start. I then ran a really long home game with my husband and two other couples. We played a lot throughout the pandemic. And uh, when I met up with Gabe, I found a, another storyteller that loved to tell tales like I did. And that was the start of Mythic Grove Productions, which is the company that made the game. Yay. What uh, what games can, you can we typically find you playing? I... I'm a behind-the-scenes girly, so I don't stream. I'm not in front of the camera. That is my lovely friend Gabe's uh, job. But what I do is I play a lot of home games. Mm -hmm. um, I've been playing D&D for a very long time. My current favorite is Candela Obscura from Darrington Press because I love Gaslamp, turn-of-the-century, spooky, eldritch, investigative horror. That has been fantastic. Um, and, uh, yeah, those are my, I, it's, it's been that and session zero for a little bit for me, which has been fantastic. So D and D, are you the DM? Uh, are you forever, the... forever and ever and ever. <laughs> I love it. I love being a world builder. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking yeah. time to sit down with me today. Thanks for, um, thanks for coming to the speakeasy. <laughs> yeah. So for your listeners, you can't see this, but they've got like this awesome little setup in, uh, in the back of their booth. That's just like completely closed off so that we can have a little bit of privacy in the chaos that is crap. Right yeah, now. it's at least knocked down the noise 50%, and you've got to walk by some boxes in the back of house to get back here. So it's been really fun to have. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thanks for joining me. Yeah.